Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time and your host of Buy the Books. I'm here today with Ken Wimberly, who is a father, a husband, and a serial entrepreneur with five businesses, a real estate investor and founder of Legacy Journal, co-founder of Laundry Love, and various other endeavors you have going. But you told me, interestingly enough, that the most important thing on this list was being a husband and a father. Hands down. That's pretty unique and special. And how do you manage and juggle with all of these things to keep that a priority? Uh, Intentionality. I think one of them is is, is big time intentionality. And I started that process uh, much more in the last 10, 12 years than I did in my early early fatherhood years. And, you know, really my first marriage ended in divorce. But, yeah, I'm remarried. Now now we have a six-year-old together. And uh, I started like a personal development journey in about 2012. So I guess 10 years now that I've been on that journey. And just got a lot more intentional about it. And including joining masterminds, joining groups, family masterminds, learning together, growing together, setting goals together. And uh, there's just, I mean, I think the, the word of that is is really intentionally in putting it at the forefront. So you and I had talked about turning this episode into really lessons for entrepreneurs. Yeah. And that probably could be considered the most important one is maintaining that work-life balance. I think it is. And look, it I work with, have been mentored by, mastermind with some really, really high-level successful people. And I think all of those folks that, that I'm involved with agree that at the end of the day, if they're judged by one thing, you know, and all their business success was gone, yet they were there as as the the you know the rock star dad and great husband and great example for their children that's what matters most mm. take the flip side i've made 100 million dollars i've got this big business i i run a you know multinational empire yet i'm a terrible dad i never see my kids mm. i'm divorced three times which one do you want to be yeah. I, I know which i know which side of the aisle i want to line up on it's a hard thing to do, I will say, because entrepreneurs, we are, we're a different breed, right? And it's hard sometimes to carve out the time for family when in your business, typically, we know exactly what we need to do to be successful. And sometimes it can be hard to translate that to family life, because it's oftentimes ambiguous and I'm sure many entrepreneurs just feel like they're failing at it. So it's easier to go into what you feel like you're good at. And you can really, you know, succeed. Well, there's a lot of truth. So I have three kids, and all three of them are vastly different. The way I parent yep. each one of those children yep. is different. It's hard you, to systemize and, and, that. You know, and I have my wife, and, and sometimes I've got to handle things very differently on, on from one day or month to the next, right there. Yes. And so, yeah, you're right. It's it. Yeah, it's there's not a system to create, and it's hard. It is hard. It's one of the hardest things. And so, um, yeah. So learning through that, uh, talking with other parents, really. And, and that's something that I didn't have for a long time was just a bunch of other. Uh, a support system. Yeah. A support system of like I've got a couple of groups now I'm part of that are, are you know, dad focused groups, mm. right? Men 
helping each other to show up as better husbands, yeah. as better fathers right there. And that's been really important because God knows I don't have all the answers. And maybe that's lesson number two is build your support system because I would say that's important not only for your personal life, but for your business. A hundred percent. So it was, it was 2010 when I hired my first business coach and ah. I thought that's such an important role. So from that time when I hired this business coach, we I was in primarily just in one business at the time, which was commercial real estate brokerage. And I took a brokerage business that I was doing seven to $10 million a year in, in um, transactions with and scaled that into within four or five years, I, I went 10x on that from 10 million a year to over 100 million wow. a year in annual sales That's right incredible. there. And in, in a relatively short period of time right there. But it was from hiring a coach, listening to what he was advising me to do hiring people, growing a team, putting systems and resources in place. And, and that was kind of my first step into a professional kind of coachment relationship. And then beyond that is mentors that I've kind of come across along the way. Really important to put those people in your world and surround yourself with it um, that are doing the right kind of thing. Right. Well, uh, and it can be yourself. a lonely thing being an entrepreneur, especially if you're doing it by yourself with no partners it's all on you. Like the weight of that can sometimes become very heavy. And a lot of people don't realize that. That's right. Yes. The weight of it is, is immense because yes. for an employee, they come in, even a great employee, right? They mm -hmm. come in, they're contributing, they're they're helping, but they're checking out at the end of the day. They're going home right. and focused on a hundred, you know, a hundred percent on the other part of their life right. as an entrepreneur. It's even when I'm spending time with my kids, with my wife, that there's always in my right. mind, the thought on my businesses and what's going on with mm -hmm. that. They're a hundred percent. And and some of that is great, right? It's it's ideas, it's coming up, but in some ways if things aren't going well, it's rough. Oh, absolutely. It's really rough. I remember a very dark point in my we'll say entrepreneurship career. <laughs> I remember it being a late Sunday night, being up at the office all by myself, and there is no one else in the office. And I am desperately trying to get something done, client deadline on time. All other employees have clocked out. <laughs> They've long gone to bed. And I just remember being this very dark place saying, why am I doing this? But I... I had enough forethought to say there will be a better day ahead. This is not my forever. Yeah. And I remember turning on my computer video just to record that moment, just to journal mm. it, to say, I'm just going to just lay bare here with what I'm feeling right now. And I want to be able to look at this later when it is a better day and say, you made it, like you got through that. And yes, there was a better day ahead, you know, okay, but what, it was a weighty moment. What you said is so important on writing down the moment. I did, uh, I, I mentioned journaling, minute, journaling, but I, I mentioned a minute ago and, and was recording things when you're in, yes. when you, when you're feeling them, right. um, because it's easy to lose the emotion, to lose the intensity, or to even vastly change yes. your memory of what happened. I uh, I mentioned I did a 24-hour challenge a couple of weeks ago, and at like 5 a.m., it went from 8 a.m. So on explain Friday. what the 24-hour challenge is for anyone that doesn't know. Okay, so um, me and a handful of, of friends of mine, have, or actually me, one guy started a, now it's become an annual event, a 24-hour unbreakable challenge. And what we do is we start walking 
at 8 a.m. on a Friday. Okay. And we finish walking at 8 a.m. on a Saturday. Constant movement. The only breaks are just you know, brief refilling hydration, changing socks or shoes or something like that. But it, otherwise, it's constant movement. And we threw in there that we would also do 40 push-ups at the top of each hour so that by the end of – we do, we'll do the start and then finish top of each hour so that by the end of the 24 hours, we've done 1,000 push-ups and walked somewhere between 50 and 60 miles. So wow. this, this year, we did 55 miles. But at – it starts to really hurt. I can imagine. It starts to really, really hurt after about 12, 14, 16 hours. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's a lot of pain in, in every part of your body. And um, it's all about mental stamina. That's the mm. purpose of this is to prove to yourself that you can go further than you probably mentally think you can and to get past the point of, of pain because when you're in pain and you know I've got six hours left mm. to do this that's a lot of mental stamina so that's kind of what this challenge is about and then we use it to raise money for the um, David Nicholas Organ Owner Awareness Foundation um, a, a friend of mine started that foundation and so anyway we've used that to, to raise money but what I was going to say about the, the ch- capturing the moment at yeah. like 6am um, on Saturday morning I, I recorded a video and I recorded it specifically so that I could watch it later mm-hmm. because like right now I could tell you all the reasons why I'm doing it, why we right, do it. Right. And in that video, I was telling myself, I was like, I have no idea why I've committed to do this for the third time in a row. Mm. I, I said, my, my ankles hurt, my feet hurt, my thighs hurt, my shoulders hurt from carrying a backpack with water. I said, everything hurts. And Every step is painful. And as I'm walking through, I'm asking myself, why on earth did you agree to do this again? And so <laughs> I wanted to be able to watch it. So I've watched that video several times. And I'm like, wow, that was uh, kind of intense. But I think it's important to capture those moments when they're happening. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I think it's important. This is, I guess, be our next lesson. Journaling and, and recording those milestones, good or bad, those milestones in your business and in your personal life. Well, it, in your business, it's so especially in the entrepreneurial journey, so important to acknowledge and celebrate the little wins. Mm-hmm. And because most of us as entrepreneurs have a habit of anytime we're getting close to accomplishing a goal, we kind of cast that much wider than mm-hmm. and we're like, no, we got we to up that goal. And, and we're looking now the next three years, what are we going to do? And many of us just don't kind of give ourselves the pat on the back and the, the appreciation that we should acknowledge ourselves for for accomplishing these things that we've we've set out to do. Here's here's something I've noticed too. I I have noticed that many times I would set a goal and a big goal in in a year. Like I'm going to accomplish this and often I will fail because I've set the goal pretty big. But I started going back and reviewing previous goals and I noticed the pattern that while I would fail to hit that goal in a year, almost all the time, within two years, ah. I've kind of nailed those things. Where I said I was going to do it in a year, and uh, one of my mentors, talking about mentors, um, Gary Keller, who founded Keller Williams, was a kind of a, a first a mentor from afar, and then I got into a, a closer group with him. But he used to always say, and I appreciate this, is we tend to really overestimate what we can accomplish in a year. But by the flip side, we dramatically underestimate what we can accomplish in five years. Because ah. in five years, there's so much time to really move the needle. Yeah. And, and so that was my observation. And usually within two years, 
I can really knock out a whole lot uh, nice. in terms of goal accomplishment. But it's important to acknowledge them, to write them down. Like I, I, have I was going to say, me. is this I've, our I've next got, lesson well, I, is writing down goals? Oh, 100, well, just writing down goals, but then also writing down little accomplishments in there. Mm-hmm. I've gotten in the habit now of every Friday, I've got a reminder on my calendar. It's, it's at 6 p.m. on Friday. It's to write down um, the wins and the challenges from the week. Mm, right? Just acknowledge. What were my little wins? You know, write down two or three of my wins. Were there any challenges? There usually are you know, things that kind of kicked my booty during the week and mm. write those down. And, and every once in a while, I'll go back and, and review those. I think it's that's kind of a neat year-end thing to do. Go back and kind of review some of those. That's that's really good. And what since you've started doing that, what have you seen happen to you either mentally or just what's manifested in your life by doing that exercise? A, a lot of success. I mean, uh, okay. One of the reasons I do like the 24-hour challenge and things like that is is for mental stamina mm-hmm. to know that okay, if I can make it through that, I can make it through the other things that show up and right. kind of punch me in the face right there. Um, we're dealing with something right now. I had an appraisal on a building we're buying come in a whole lot lower than it should. And it's, it's one of those challenges. I'm like, oh, yet I'm not overly sweating it. We're going to figure it out. I just mm. know we're going to figure it out and, and, and make this happen. I don't know what the answer is yet, but there, there's an answer that we will solve. Mm. And that's what I think. I think in kind of writing down some of your challenges you're having, then later you see, oh, well, that challenge had this solution. Mm. And you start kind of connecting the dots right there. And you realize, okay, with every challenge, there is a solution. It's your opportunity to kind of show up and, and figure things out, which I think as that's why we get paid. That's why we add, that's how we add value is we solve problems that mm. need to be solved. We kind of solve problems in the world that need to be solved, and we're creating value in the world. So that's, I think, it's important to write down some of those problems, connect the dots to see problem a month ago, a year ago, solution today. Here it showed up, and here's how we here's how we did it. I am honing in on that term, creating value, and thinking of the f- the phrase that we often hear about: find a need and fill it. Which that's really what entrepreneurs are doing, right? So. Where's the lesson in that? How has that played into all these businesses that you've started? Yeah. Well, one is, so I, I'll give you my most recent endeavor. Um, I, we created a mobile app, and it was from finding a need. Okay, the need, I, I have three kids, 19-year-old daughter. My older son turns 18 next week, and I've got a six-year-old son. So when my daughter was 10 months old, I started journaling stories to her. And much like we were kind of talking about capturing moments uh-huh. as, as they're happening. And these are stories about her? About her and, and our life together, oh, right? It, okay. It's about her life and, and my life as a dad. And, and initially so it was neat. just me gushing about how beautiful she was is and, and how excited I was to be a dad and little things like that. And then, But as time went on, I would – first let me tell you, I started this um, – I, I just recognized that I wouldn't remember everything. And I was, I'm, I'm grateful that I had that kind of epiphany early. It's like, as I won't remember everything, you can kind of write down some stories as mm-hmm. they're happening. And my thought was, you know, one day I'll, I'll give them to her. And as, as time went on, I started writing down stories of, of her evolution as, as from you know, baby to toddler to little girl to birthday parties yeah and then it would be highs and lows i started Mm. writing down the challenging times that we had and i I made a commitment to do just once a month 
So I can I can live up to that, right? Daily seemed impossible. Weekly, I would probably fail often. Monthly, I thought, I can handle that. I can write one story a month. And so I started that when her brother was born. I started with him, and I've continued that on. I shared that with a lot of parents as we kind of went on the journey, uh, or as I was going on my journey. I said, hey, here's something I'm doing. It's been really cool for me. And a lot of them started doing the same thing for their kids. And then they start sending me text. You know, someone would do it in pen to paper. Others, I did it in a Word document just because I can type faster mm. than I can write pen to right. paper. And uh, But it was really cool because more and more parents would be like sending me pictures of their stuff and what they were doing and telling me what it meant to them. Aww. And as years went on, people started saying, Ken, you should create something with this because it's kind of a pain in the butt. I've got stuff in, in a notebook. I've and Personally, I ended up with stuff in Word, then Evernote, then OneNote, all these different sources, <laughs> then notes on my phone. I had stuff everywhere and other people sharing me. There was this need to be met right there. Mm. And so I was recognizing, okay, here's, here's a need right there. And then I thought, surely this problem has been solved. This was 2017 when I started thinking through it. I was like, surely this problem has already been solved. I can just go out there and find a product and use it rather than go think about creating something. Because it's not easy to go create something. Right. And so I looked out and there were journaling products out there. And there were kind of photo capturing products out Mm -hmm. there. But there was nothing that was doing what I I was doing really manually, which it was journaling. It was was putting photos, putting videos, audio files, all of this in there and doing it for multiple children. Mm. Right. So it was was one to many or even thinking through many to many, meaning like husband, wife, grandparents, all in one account, journal instead of kids. And there was nothing out there like that. And so that's what I set out to create in what's now Legacy Journal and now we've got almost 10,000 users in 84 countries. That's amazing. On this. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a cool journey. And this probably leads into another entrepreneurial lesson, which is turn your passions, like monetize your passions, turn it into a source of income. You So I, I've struggled with that in that... Um, really? Well, now I'm 100% on board with that. But younger, I didn't know what my passions were. Ah, so okay. a, as a young man, I, I really, I couldn't tell you. I'm like, what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about, you know, I, I would say business is kind of what I thought. That's probably what my almost 18-year-old son will tell you right now. He's passionate about business and real estate and money. And so we'll see how, how his manifest right there. But I didn't know. But now I'm 50, almost 51 now. And but at, certainly in the last five, seven, ten years of my life, I'm like, okay, I'm really starting to line up with what, oh. I'm, what I'm really passionate so about. So it really took you until your 40s to figure out what those passions were. It did. It it did. And the other thing, I, I always talk to people like I talk to my kids as I'm talking to my older kids all the time. I think that's an important thing to recognize, right? You don't have to have it all figured out early mm-hmm. and it's okay if things change and you kind of realize I'm going to pivot where I'm going in my right. direction right there. So... Um, so for me, yes, I've, I'm 100% passionate about helping parents and then really about, I guess that's that's kind of where it comes to be, truly helping people. You mentioned our other business, Laundry Love, right? That, the laundry business in itself is not really exciting. That was the solution to a real estate problem we had. We were buying a shopping center. It had a fair amount of, it had about 40% vacancy and it was a 50,000 square foot shopping center. We're like, we've got to fill this vacancy. And so looking for tenants, found a laundromat guy and uh, gave him the address for our building. He said, let me do some research on it. And comes back and says, Ken, you've got the perfect building for a laundromat. Wow. I said, well, 
tell me about that. Why do I have the perfect building for laundromat? And he was kind of explaining the reasons, the demographics, the, what was kind of around there and the competition in the area. And so well, this is great. And uh, so I was like, what do you need? He said, well, we need a 10-year lease, multiple five-year extensions. Um, we can pay X dollars per square foot. I'm like, this is amazing. I was like, well, great. Let's come on in and get you in, in the center. And uh, through that process, I realized he wasn't a, a an operator himself or a tenant. He was a, he was actually worked for an equipment manufacturer. And however, he was a great advisor, mentor to us, uh, to me about the industry. And so we were looking for an operator. I, I was out there looking, hey, we need a laundromat operator to come in the shopping center. Couldn't find one. And uh, so I asked my partner in the shopping center, so well, what, what, if, what if we became the operator? And uh, we re- recognize that he and I are both cut from the same cloth. We are visionaries. We love starting things. We love figuring it out. But we are not the in the weeds operators. The detail. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not our. In, in it, again, both of us we're yeah. kind of now in our fifties. We're and yeah, you know, it took us into our forties to recognize mm-hmm. that. And but now we did. So we're like, we need a we need an operator. And there was a guy I'd known for a number of years and just had immense respect for him. He was a West Point grad, Army Ranger, uh, ran a bunch of divisions at Kell Williams. And it's like this guy I want to be in business with. And Mm -hmm. uh, so we talked to him about this opportunity and we explored that business for a year. I say all of this because there was nothing super exciting about the laundromat business. But what we did during that year was kind of thought, what, what would get us excited about that? And it's about really being able to make a difference in the communities. And so in our laundromats, we have a dedicated children's play area inside of our laundromats where like we've got just space we built out for children's play. We've got games, we've got tables, we've got things for them to do and occupy themselves. Discovering the industry, we go in the laundromats and look what's going on. Well, you have a lot of moms often in there with little kids, and the kids are bored out of their minds, mm-hmm. you know, running, open and closing washers and dryers and just bored. So we've tried to solve that. We put really nice play areas in ours. And then we also have partnered with the Literacy Laundry Literacy Foundation, and we bring in books every single month um, for children to take with them. Because oh, what nice. We, what we learned was it in the areas where laundromats are often located, impoverished, lower-income areas, one in 300 households has books for their children. Wow. That stat still baffles me when I hear that. Oh, um, and so we're trying to make a little bit of a dent in that, and that's exciting. Then we're partnering with local colleges to get the college kids service credit to come in and read the books to the kids. So that's college amazing. kids come in and read books, and now we got firefighters volunteering to come in and read books to the kids. We're like, I want in on that kind of deal. And it's just... Those are the things that gets me excited about, you know, I call it doing good by doing good, right? Nice. So we can make a real impact in the community. So it's not the laundry business that excites me. It's what we're able to do with the laundry business. And so now we're we're opening our first five. We've got uh, our third about to open, our fourth and fifth we're working on real estate on right now. And then we're going to start expanding that around the country via uh, kind of a joint venture partnership model. Well, and I think there's a lesson there, too, because oftentimes we seem to segregate doing good and business, but that doesn't have to be the case. I mean, here you've described a scenario where you can do business and do good. Yeah. It's almost that conscious capitalism, I think. Very much like. Yeah. So that's really neat. I've never seen someone get passionate about laundromats before. So that's exciting. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> so so that, that's where I spend all my time today, really, on those two businesses, because that's what excites mm. me, right? I'm helping parents. I'm helping families and children with reading. And um, 
yeah, it's what kind of feedback have you gotten from the parents that that go to those laundromats? Oh, they love it. Well, first of all, they come in, they look up. We generally get high ceilings in our laundromats, a bunch of LED lights, and really well, um, just beautiful. They're like, this is not a laundromat. They come in, and I'm like, but it is, and come on in. And we've got high efficiency, high efficiency, brand new machines, really, really nice. We're staff, so we're bigger stores. We're six, seven thousand square foot stores, so we're we've got staffed locations and. Our attendants will walk up and, how may I help you? Can I help you carry this in? Can I show you how to use the machines? And so people are really blown away by that. Wow. We, um, we've got you know, hundreds of, of really five-star Google reviews. People love the love the laundromats. So it's really cool. That's amazing. Look at you, making a difference through laundromats. Who would have guessed? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool stuff. That's exciting. It is. And it sounds like something that where you have really tapped into your passion through, of all things, Laundromats. Laundromat. Well, and let me share. You just made me think. Kind of talk about entrepreneurial lessons. One of them in this is you know, getting in business with great people, and whether that's mm. really key employees or in in this case, it's been key partners. Uh, we remember the old Wonder Twin Powers kind of uh, cartoon from way back when. I feel like kind of we're the Wonder Trio together. When the three of us get together, it adds up to like seven. That's it's not amazing. one and one and one is three. It's like one and one and one is seven. It's we bring different skill sets, similar values, right, um, and similar passion right there. And it's pretty amazing. Uh, it just perspectives like this loan situation that comes up. It's okay because we put our heads together. We kind of work through it, figure it out. Here's a dozen different options we can we can go solve that with. Where if it was just me, I might be super stressed out and in my box right there. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, that helps a lot. Actually, Jeffrey Gonzalez and I did an episode recently about kind of the questions and communication you should have with your future business partners before you even start a venture. And I had talked about a little bit in there, making sure you're partnering with people that have the same core values. It's to me that I have seen with through personal experience how not having that can really cause some issues because here you're going into business together, your name is on this company. And if the company is not aligning with your own personal core values, it's a problem. It's a problem. It's a big problem. Yeah. And it's going to create tension because all of a sudden now you, you working for the company's success is compromising yourself. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yes. And I also, so it, along that same vein, thinking through that, when you get into business with someone, typically there is a, some type of agreement, a partnership agreement, an LLC agreement. You would like hope. That. You would hope. <laughs> so let's assume there is. It's really important to have provisions in there that if you realize this marriage was not made in heaven. Yes. Um, <laughs> There are defined ways that you terminate the agreement and and defined (laughs) uh, valuations on the business and and push-pull clauses and those kind of things in there. Yes, agree completely. Mm -hmm. Um, That is something that him and I are working through that process right now. So we've been talking a lot about that. So it's, you know, definitely important to make sure you're aligned in the first place, but also talk about those things and get them in writing in advance. A whole lot easier to talk about that up front when there's yes. not tension in place. Yes. And Gary Keller, again, my mentor there, 
heard a podcast episode with him one time, and I had never heard him say this before. He said, a partnership agreement should really be called a partnership disagreement, because that's the only time people go back to the document is when there's a disagreement. I was like, that is brilliant. So. Yes. Well, and I've even said, this just needs to be us thinking about every possible worst case scenario and what we're going to do if it happens. Yeah. <laughs> so you're right. That's Absolutely. It. So anything else you can think of that would be good to pass on? Like if you're thinking about what you wish you would have known when you started out as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So one big one right now, and you mentioned I'm involved in five different businesses uh-huh. right now. Um, I spent some time with a guy named Jeff Hoffman. And Jeff is one of the most amazing, generous souls you'd ever meet. He's the He was the founder of Priceline.com. Oh, wow. Yeah, amazing. So he built that into a multi-billion dollar business. Before that, he actually uh, engineered and came up with the airline kiosk where you go like print out your tickets right oh, there. Oh, yeah. So that was his first claim wow. to fame. Okay, so he, he comes up with that, then exits that building and then, or exits that business and, and later gets in and starts Priceline.com. And, uh, but so Jeff has been involved in uh, maybe 10 different endeavors and to varying degrees of success and most of them very successful. But what, what I noticed from him and from hearing him talk is that he would go all in on the one endeavor he's working on, right? Mm. And so 100% of his time was occupied on one business venture. And when he, when I heard him say that, I was already involved in four different ventures right there. Oh, I was boy. Like, oh, <laughs> kind of cringed on that one. I was like, that would have been a smarter way to go. And so I, I think really, you know, when I, when I talk to my own children, when I talk to, you know, people that I mentor or coach, that's one thing I tell them. I'm like, look, focus on one endeavor at a time mm. and put all of your effort, all of your energy into it until you're done. You either exit that business or you sell off a majority stake to someone and you're just a passive investor in that at, at some point or you shut it down, right? One of those things. But. Or could could you turn it into a passive income stream where essentially you're not having to be part so, of the day-to-day operation? I think, well, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. E- either you put really key people in place. Yes. Um, I've seen that fail so many times though really? when, people, when people just um, try to check out from it and they're mm. key people. I, with the proper incentives with key people, I, th- I think it works. And so gotcha. it doesn't always have to be equity. It it can be a profit sharing interest. There's, there's ways to structure things with the proper incentives. Yes. I always kind of cringe when people say passive income because I think there's almost no such other than a true investment into someone else's endeavor right um there's almost no passive if i own real estate i say oh it's passive even if it's triple net real estate it's kind of passive but there's still some management on this right there so um yeah so that however it's it's out i mean it's the most common phrase that's people's dream is i want to have all this passive income and like just if you just recognize it there's some active it's it's not like a job where mm, you're working right. full time, but you better pay some attention to your, your Well, could that be a feasible get. model? If you have one endeavor that you're really focused on and a big majority of your time is focused on that, but you have, quote unquote, passive income streams on the side uh, that you 100%. Yeah. yeah uh, well, 100% right there. Because then if I'm investing in other people's endeavors, it's, it's, it's your money at work at that point. Mm-hmm. It's not your time. Right, so, right. But, My advice to folks is if you're putting your time to work, do it in one endeavor at a time Mm. until you can take all of your time out of that endeavor. Mm, That's good. Yeah. Anything else you would tell younger you? 
Oh, man. Uh, all kinds of mistakes that younger me have made. But, <laughs> but I will tell you, it's it shaped me into who I am today. So Absolutely. I'm, well, that's yeah. how we learn, right? Our mistakes. Yeah. I mean, that's one that I would say is don't be afraid of failure. Yeah, well, failure is a critical part of growth right yeah. there and, and learning from each time. Yeah, and I tell my kids that all the time. Go go out and fail. Yes. Go out and fail. Fail harder. You try, fail faster. You know, try and don't beat yourself up if you fail. Learn from it. Yeah. Make some tweaks and, and go do your next thing right there. So, yeah, I think that's always an important part of life is to do that. And then I've, I've already kind of mentioned mentors and coaches, advisors, I think, early on in your in your life and career to go seek that out and yeah it's amazing how many people are willing to give their time absolutely yeah and you mentioned what i I said several times it's it's becoming a source of value and so there's maybe my biggest tidbit from from anyone figure out how you can become a source of value to others um that showed up for me in interesting ways in my life whereas building my real estate career and at the same time, I had really gone on a big health and wellness and fitness journey. And so I've got big real estate clients. I'm doing a lot of deals with one of whom is my partner in the laundromat business right now. And um, people would start coming to me for advice on accountability or they would want accountability in different mm. parts of their life because they're like, you're pretty disciplined and accountable on things. I'm like, it, because I was putting a lot of that in my own world. And they would come to me for advice. And I was like, well, okay, if I can bring you value mm. through that if i can either be your accountability partner if i can help you set up some systems for your own accountability and that's a source of it has nothing to do with real estate which is yeah. what my business was at the time but it has to do with me helping them in whatever aspect so all of us have parts of our lives that we're probably really good at and it might not have anything to do with business yeah. and it might be the best thing you can do for someone else right there yeah that just might cause your business to grow. So That's a good point. So think think of ways that you can truly be a source of value for others. That's a good point. I like that. So how could people find you if they'd like to reach you and learn more about any of these endeavors that you have going on? Yeah. So if you want to learn about a laundromat, go check it out because we've got some beautiful pictures on the website. See that nice. It's, it's Laundry Love L-U-V. So okay. LaundryLUV.com to learn more about Legacy Journal and what we're doing there with the mobile app and and documenting family history and memories. It's legacyjournal.app. So check it out there. Um, And I'm on Facebook. I, you know, I'm on there about once a week. I'm not a like a rabid, rabid fan there, but I'm on Facebook. <laughs> you can certainly get on there, DM me on Facebook, and um, uh, do that if you want to connect on anything, certainly journal-related, or if you're interested in maybe opening up a laundromat down the road, we're happy. You know, nice. We're, we're going to end up partnering in about a year with other people on that. So, Very uh, nice. Be happy That's to exciting. Yeah, we'd have to explore that as well. That's awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much for coming on. This has been very enlightening, and I think it'll be a great value that you've added to a lot of people listening. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate being a guest. It's awesome. All right. And I'm Lindsay Klein with Sucline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time and your host of Buy the Books. Until next time, everyone, have a great week. Buy the Books is presented by Sucline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Sucline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit Sucline.com or email info at Sucline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. 
Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Secline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.